Hello, language enthusiasts, and welcome to The Language Worker, a space to talk about the people involved in the language business in a broad sense. I'm interested in finding out how their training, work experience, and their passion for languages has shaped our guests' professional and, of course, personal lives. Join me on this journey to explore the multiple and unpredictable paths one can follow when we are involved in the magical world of languages. Diego Perez calls himself a game localization wizard, and he sure sounds like one. We had an amazing conversation a few weeks ago, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. Diego told me about his background and how his passion for writing and content creation came to life in the form of a job that he loves. It was a pleasure to get to know him better and understand a bit more about the world of games. May the force be with you. Hi, everybody. Today I'm here with Diego. So he's Brazilian, but and I'm Portuguese, as you know, but we decided that we're going to speak in English because uh, the subject of our conversation or Diego's main activity is something uh, where we use a lot of terminology in English. So therefore, instead of just switching back and forth, we just decided to, to record the episode in English. And this is why, even though both of us are Portuguese native speakers, we're going to record the episode in English. So, Diego, if you could just briefly introduce yourself. Hello, Rita. Thank you again for inviting me to, to your podcast. Really happy to be here with this, with this opportunity. Uh, well, I'm Diego Perez. I'm 33 years old. I'm currently based in Sao Paulo, uh, but I, I was born and raised in Rio de Janeiro, or the Cidade Maravilhosa, as some people would, would call it, mm -hmm. uh, until I was 24. And then I moved to Sao Paulo. I've been living here for about eight years. So I'm passionate about language, um, games, and writing in general. So uh, I think this is it. <laughs> this is you. <laughs> so you're actually from Rio de Janeiro. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, uh, I miss the beaches uh, and, uh, of course, the sun. <laughs> Although it's a, it's a sunny day here in, in Sao Paulo, but the, the, the weather is just so, so different. Yeah, uh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you were in Rio de Janeiro when you studied, right? So yes. you studied uh, Portuguese and English, so I, I saw it on your LinkedIn profile. So that's what happened, right? You studied in Rio de Janeiro. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, it was a bachelor's degree. I undergraduated in 2013 by, by the Federal University of, of Rio de Janeiro. So it's uh, a public university and a federal one at that. So, um, yeah, and yeah, I, my... my But actually, my first work experience was uh, in, in English teaching while mm -hmm. still while I was still at university. So it was a, a, a community program. So uh, we taught uh, English to people with a, with a very uh, accessible um, tuition fee, let's put it. It was semester with a really low one so that we could uh, gather people either from within the un university or for the community, communities, uh, low-income communities that were um, around the, the university. So uh, I taught English for about three years at this, mm -hmm. um, the, as a part of, of a program, of English teaching program, before I actually moved to, to translation. And, uh, and I actually started translating 
uh, accidentally because it was not uh, <laughs> it was not uh, planned. But basically, when I was in university, some um, some colleagues uh, from from other university courses they were writing all kinds of of papers and they needed to to translate abstracts. So that's my very mm -hmm. first experience with <laughs> translation. I was translating okay. abstracts from all kinds of subjects, but this uh, but this was a great experience because that's when I really started researching things outside my my usual field of knowledge, let's put it. Mm -hmm. So when you went to college, the idea was not to be a translator in the end. Was it to be a teacher? No, it was actually to be a video game writer, <laughs> a narrative designer, as they call it okay. uh, nowadays. <laughs> yes, I was uh, I was fascinated with uh, role-playing games in, in, in video games about all, all the stories and dialogues. And that was just... Um, for me, it, it was like uh, expansion of uh, an expansion of books, but in an interactive way. And, and I loved how how you could um, construct and write narratives that were designed to be uh, interactive with and provide multiple choices for for the players. So that's my, why was my my first fascination with uh, with writing in general. So I, I entered university with that in mind. So you wanted and, to be a uh, writer to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but uh, uh, but then once I started actually studying that, I, I saw how difficult the market really was. Mm -hmm. How how writing uh, writing as a career could be really hard, especially when you are writing in a foreign language. Uh, and, and this is the case with with many uh, games developed in Brazil, uh, even right now that mm -hmm. they are uh, usually written in uh, in English. And then they are localized to Portuguese, which is crazy, uh -huh. right? So you have uh, you have uh, native students uh, uh, developing their games in English first, and then localizing to Portuguese because that way they can just um, enter the, the global market, um, you know, in a way. So uh, that's uh, that's when I realized uh, uh, that 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 career was not a realistic, uh, realistic for me at that at that time, for uh, at least. So I started uh, exploring uh, other options. So the first one was English teaching. And then um, I, I started experimenting with translation, like I said, translating abstracts and, and other articles that end up, ended up on my plate. So, uh, and, and my first actual professional experience mm -hmm. in, uh, as a translator in, a, in, a, in an agency environment, let's put it, was... Uh, one year after I graduated, if, I, if I'm not wrong, because to be completely honest, I needed a, a job. I needed an of course. <laughs> That's exactly how it goes. <laughs> That's true, right? So, so that uh, when I was looking at what I enjoyed doing, mm -hmm. and I, of course, I, I compared English teaching with uh, English translating, and uh, I'm not very much of a, of a people's person so it, it was hmm. uh more comfortable <laughs> it was more comfortable <laughs> for me for me uh to 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 work behind the screen behind the scenes that was uh at my own time at my own pace so that's when i started um uh, really going uh, deeper in into translation and i got my first um my my first jobs from from my from a translation agency that actually had nothing to do with video games. 
Mm-hmm. So, time. but was it you didn't work on site, right? You were still working as a, or you were already working as a freelancer. So you never went through the experience of working for an LSP as as a, like for a training or as an in-house translator. Did any of that no. happen? <laughs> no, no, I, I I was never in an internship or in-house position in any way. Uh, this company in particular, uh, I, I got I I got to know them because of a former colleague that graduated with me. Uh, he had done an internship with them with that um, LSP, and then uh, so I just reached out to him. Well, are you looking for someone to to help you with with your translators? You know, they, mm-hmm. they usually working, and and that's how uh, I got my 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 first experience with an LSP. And at the time, I translated all kinds of um, of stuff. So uh, there were a lot of oil and gas mm-hmm. um, because they 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 had uh, relationships with companies all over the world from uh, from 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 Singapore and from really Malaysia, a, a lot of uh, of countries all over the world. And I and I also uh, translated some other things like forklift manuals and technical things uh, and, and that uh, that was really challenging because mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 of course I was not uh, remotely familiar with that subject at first but uh, anyway so that, that that was my my first experience so I just uh, but actually that's uh, where I met prozy.com for example because mm-hmm. the the uh, th- that was my main uh, go-to resource that the the, the, the the terminology base in Prozy is mm-hmm. so strong with the community, so strong, so willing to help, and that's and that's when I I, I started uh, having a, a, an internet, getting to know people from uh, all over the world in the translation industry instead of just uh, people in my own company. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's also started opening up some doors for me. Hmm, that sounds very good. And so you kept on going with your uh, new status of a freelance translator now in, in <laughs> prose, right? With your profile in, in prose uh, mm-hmm. or prose.com. I don't know what, what people usually call it. I call it prose. I guess everybody in the community knows what that is. So then what happened? Did you continue with this company and you added more to your to your group of clients or what happened? Was it a more, it was the other way around. So people found you. How was it in the beginning? Well, I I stayed with that company for one year, gathering as much experience as I wanted, and, and of course the 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 rate was <laughs> what you probably would expect for for an entry level freelancer, so really mm-hmm. uh, really low rates at, at first. But at my age and where I lived, that was enough to to uh, to get me uh, to get me started and and to to, uh, to leave uh, by myself so that uh, was an important step and what happened next well um once i joined prozy i, I started um, exploring the website and that's when i realized i could find other translation agencies but i was still not sure how uh, how to receive the payments from abroad i, I was not mm-hmm. even sure if that would be possible because it's 2014 at the time so uh, things were still uh, at, at my age at least uh, it, it just wasn't clear if I could actually receive the, those payments. yes at your uh, age <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. it yeah, was already know, right? very clear 
<laughs> but I understand that once you're, you're getting started with that. all of that to solve, I know it's a lot. But yeah, it was, I guess yeah. it was pretty established at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People had translating abroad for, for ages, of course, right? <laughs> yeah, but for me, that, that was just a whole world. I thought, okay, so PayPal, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> My account from for PayPal is from 2007. So what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i signed up probably in 2014 that's when i was started uh taking on work from abroad so uh, so that that's how uh how it went it, it went for me in the beginning i just started um looking up job postings on prozee i'm not sure if i if i actually um uh, was selected through through those job posting or if if i if i eventually uh, was able to to apply for for an agency through their portal instead of of a job posting so really uh, i don't know how how i started finding some some clients but i remember how i started on video game localization okay that's other... important we need that point to be clear yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that... <laughs> It, it, it was crazy because uh, I, I actually had a friend come over in, in, in my house and we were, uh, we actually had only met online through, uh, through, through online games, but, but at, at that time we were living in, in Sao Paulo. He wasn't from Sao Paulo initially and, and neither was I, I was from Rio and he was from uh, Fortaleza. And then uh, I, I had my, I, I, uh, he came, he came over to my house and I started talking uh talking to him about life and about other other friends in the in the in that online community community and I mentioned I was uh, working as a translator and he said oh that someone uh, is uh, actually works as a, as a as a video game translator I uh, and I was like is that a thing <laughs> can you <laughs> in 2014 or 15 yeah I love <laughs> it I, 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 I was under the impression that <laughs> it's funny how, how long it took me to, to realize how I was. No, you were young. That's why you were super young. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, course. definitely. definitely. <laughs> I, I had been working for about two years and I never thought I could just <laughs> uh, join the two things. I was playing video games uh, at night and translating at day. And mm. then I realized, okay, I can translate games at day. So <laughs> go figure. <laughs> Yeah, like here. I know there there's somehow in other languages but I don't know how that happens <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, my uh, I was under the impression that uh, uh, the, the game developers or publishers they were all hiring in-house they mm -hmm. that uh, I remember seeing some job postings for uh, localization uh, translators or editors or coordinators in, in those uh, in those big companies like Blizzard and other companies that were around at mm -hmm. the time, but but I thought that uh, that was it. They maybe uh, you either worked with them uh, or living abroad or something like that, mm -hmm. or or there was no other way to to work with them. So that's when I realized, oh, so there there are localization uh, agencies, LSPs out there who are um, taking care of this uh, outsourced localization work. So that's when when it dawned on me that I, okay then I can I can start uh, looking for for those localization agencies. Mm -hmm. Then so that's when uh, when things uh, changed for me and uh, how I found my my first 
my most most important client, let, let's put it at the time, uh, it was through Lockchain. Uh, are you familiar with Lockchain? I don't think I am. <laughs> hmm. Things I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but There's Lockchain. lots I don't know. <laughs> Lockchain, I don't know if uh, Lockchain's, uh, if that's going to be a Lockchain this year, but Lockchain's are uh, yearly events mm -hmm. that uh, that, the, that the, the, the organizers, they create some localization challenge of a, of a video game or, or a board game. And this, uh, and this game, uh, they, it is completely, completely created for the lockchain so it's not um, uh, an existing game it's created for the purposes mm -hmm. of this event and this uh, and this game is made available for uh, many languages out there so that people can submit within a time a time frame their localization for that uh, for that localization challenges mm -hmm. and then you have a, a selection committee for for each language to uh, to select the best localization and this is uh, this also uh, this is a very good uh, entry point for for localization specialists or aspiring localization spe mm -hmm. specialists <laughs> because they can uh, well, if their work selected then they 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 have they are on the spotlight right so mm -hmm. they have like a free pass to <laughs> to enter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. So and and uh, uh, other localization agencies they are uh, familiar with with this event, so they can just uh, pick uh, if they need a Brazilian translator or a Spanish translator. They can look at, at those who were selected and see if they are interested in working with them. Mm -hmm. so it is... becomes like part of your let's call it por portfolio. I don't know if that's that's the term yes. in this circumstance. Yes. 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 Exactly. And and it's one of the the. Uh, one of the most interesting ways to, so that you can actually experiment with video game localization because usually the files, uh, the localization files that you work in, they are uh, they are not accessible because they are part of the game code. So if you are not working in that project specifically, specifically you cannot uh, really uh, train your translation skills by translating the game because you, you don't, have, don't actually have access to, to, those, uh, to, those, to that text. So mm -hmm. blockchains are, are a good opportunity for for people to actually try their hand and see if they like the the challenge mm -hmm. of of translating a video game. So, so you uh, being already a a video game, you know, fan <laughs> <laughs> and player. Yes, have your water. Take take your time. <laughs> no, no, you need no. to do that because we're going to talk for a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. While you were playing, were you already thinking about this, the, the linguistic questions involved? Were you already like kind of naturally, like we do as 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 people who are interested in languages, when we watch movies and all that, did you already have that perspective of that particular uh, type of content? Did you enjoy thinking about it? Did you play in uh with games that were already in the localized version or did you always go for the english version so how was your experience as as a user before you even entered the thing as a Wait. professional 
Great question. Uh, you know, because before... I'm, I'm addicted to to watching things and then dissecting all sorts of content to see, you know, how much I can learn from it and how I can just uh, go a bit further with my English or whatever thing I'm thinking about. So I'm I'm thinking that someone like you was already language minded, if this exists, <laughs> uh, was already obviously I think focusing on on that and thinking about those things. So by the time you actually had to do it, you have you had already a different thought process than most people who are not familiar with the content itself. Perfect. Uh, well, so before I started working with, with translating video games, uh, I played the games mostly in English. And mm -hmm. this is something I, I know now that is a mistake when you are working as a translator. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's something I'm always... It's just a fact <laughs> of life, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's something I'm always uh, advising students or people who are uh, doing my course is that you, you have to spend more time uh, with your native language, playing games mm -hmm. in your native language to, so that you can actually write in a natural way and in, in, in a way that's approachable to users than mm -hmm. if you are just working with, with uh, just consuming English. Because it's a very different experience, right? I mean, exactly. that's how I feel. I have everything in English, and then every time I have something in Portuguese, I'm a bit like, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I do it also for training purposes, obviously. You know, even my iPhone and all of that stuff, I try to have it in, in, in English, but then I'm like, no, 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 let's, let's actually see how this goes, because, of course, it's terminology that I use, so I really need to be yes. on point with it. So I have to make an effort to have, you know, Things in English and things in Portuguese, also to make sure that I keep up with the trends in translation yes. or in localization. Perfect. So, uh, so, and then I was just playing games in English, and uh, especially when I still had that idea of, of writing games. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I had to 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 be immersed in the language as much as I could. But then once I started translating, that that's when I got curious about a lot of terms game terminology that, that I took for granted and mm -hmm. I had no idea okay, how am I going to <laughs> translate this this game concept in a way that's familiar to users I had no idea so the only logical step was to look at uh, what they or what people had been doing up to that point so that's when I switched all my interfaces <laughs> and, and the games and everything to Portuguese because I, I need to I need to communicate with with the target audience uh, right so uh, and that's Go one way I could uh, I, I could bridge that gap. So um, and and once I did that, once I changed the language, sometimes changing back and forth so that I, so they can actually see exactly how things are getting translated, and that's when the most uh, analytical parts of, of me took over in in playing games, and I was never able to uh, just relax playing games uh, again. Because... <laughs> I know I know what you mean. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible to watch anything with me it's just oh people don't want to be around me because I'm always commenting and being annoyed or just being super happy you're like oh this was genius here and <laughs> right yeah, so we or... find ourselves looking at it from a totally different perspective and sometimes uh, I mean probably you're not as vocal as I am so but <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit annoying a lot to, to write notes I, I'm, I'm a note keeper so I, I ah. I, I try to. <laughs> I like that. Then, I'm not. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> I'll ask for your notes if I ever have to deal with anything. <laughs> oh, they are so disorganized. <laughs> Don't worry. Nothing is worse than my brain. <laughs> nah, just kidding. 
I just want to make you laugh so that you can relax a little bit. Well, so 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 I I'm always pausing things so that, that mm. I can write something down and have ideas for later. Uh, and, and this can be really annoying for people who are around me. So sometimes I just have to uh, to to stop. Okay, I want <laughs> I want bother people to by taking notes. You're not actually oh, watching I, anything. You're just studying. This is what I say. <laughs> that, that's it, right? Yeah, you're even in your free time, you're trying to to make uh, some to get something you uh, more useful or to optimize your time. Maybe for sure. Uh, I, I know I know exactly <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> that was uh it, it is a great experience playing games in uh, uh in, in brazilian portuguese because there even when when something's not right you are learning something uh, uh from that right so you 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 are thinking of better solutions when mm -hmm. you're not happy with the solutions they provided and when you are happy with, with that solution then you can add that to your you go like wow person. this was awesome. genius i love it yeah, exactly awesome. nailed it this is exactly what i would do blah 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 yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a it's great and in video game localization people can uh, can get so creative in their solutions so that's uh, and i think that's what uh really attracted the the writer in me because uh sometimes you have the, the opportunity to be so uh so original in your in your own writing, right? You 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 will when you are transcreating uh, a name or or just writing in a, in a particular slang uh, of your language, you it, it really feels like you're writing you are writing from from scratch. That's that's put mm -hmm. it. That. But don't make it sound that romantic because I've <laughs> I watched <laughs> I watched a webinar some time ago and um that thing almost changed my life because the guest was so good. She's a professor at uh, Barcelona University. She's an expert in video game localization and she actually teaches that at university for the masters. Yes, I know. She's like <laughs> Uh, probably the dream professor of anybody who works with with that. And one of the things that called my attention, obviously, because that's one of my interests in life, one of the, the things that has been with me ever since I was very young. So she emphasized that there are multiple types of skills that you need as a translator in order to translate a game, because there's a lot of terminology, there's a, lo a lot of uh, legal facts that have to be translated and all of that, apart from all the creative things that immediately us, people who don't know, <laughs> think, oh my God, must be so creative. But then she called the viewer's attention for that, those parts, and I was even more interested because I thought, oh, there's hope for me to participate sometime in a project like this, like in the terminology part or something like that, because that's obviously what interests mm -hmm. me. So then what happens when people hire you, when an agency or a company, doesn't matter who hires you, what do they expect from you? Is it that they hire just one person to um, localize the whole game in that particular language or flavor, as I like to call it? Or mm -hmm. is it that you have people with different skills that will take care of the different parts? How does it usually go? That's a very great question. <laughs> so, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's really, question uh, rating time. Just kidding. Just kidding. Great question. And uh, so... It really depends on on the on the on the size of the game, and of course the deadline 
So right now, my main project is uh, Kenshi 2, which is a, a role-playing game in an open world. And there, there's a lot of dialogue, um, thousands and thousands of words. And this this is the kind of project that is, is usually split within mm. a team. But the, but the, but the studio, but the studio uh, actually uh, uh, preferred to have one linguist per language taking care of the whole game. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are like part of the of the development team in a way of uh, actually localization team, but we are, we work mm-hmm. uh, with, with the developers, and this is something that's uh, not very usual, especially for indie games. Indie games are are, are the ones who will usually outsource the the work, mm-hmm. but uh, they they uh, but but they prefer to to have only one linguist. For, uh, to take care of the game itself, and of course, this is only possible because the the deadline, the the the, the duration of the project is so long that mm-hmm. they can uh, they can do that. But sometimes, uh, uh, game uh, games uh, game developers they choose to localize their games about I don't know two months before release, so they have oh. already designed and then did and completed completed their game entirely, and then they think, oh, we have to localize that. So, so that's when they go desperate, uh, chasing mm-hmm. some LSP to to help with their game, and 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 the largest LSPs, of course, they can offer a, a faster turnaround time. So mm-hmm. uh, that's when these projects are are <laughs> distributed in a way to uh, to uh, different linguists, mm-hmm. and ideally uh, you would have only one editor or language lead, so that they can uh, actually. Uh, make sure the game has the the voice that that's expected, and like you said, uh, yes, some parts of the game will be assigned to people who are more familiar with a kind of, with, with a certain type of of localization. For example, uh, end user license agreements, mm-hmm. which like uh, a law involves <laughs> uh, law and, and and patents and things like that. So mm-hmm. you have translators in the in the agencies who are more um, who are more familiar with with this expertise, and others will take care, for example, uh, of the dialogue because it, that's really uh, where the the creative part sh- shows up. And some will take care of the interface you know, because the interface you have to to be more uh, you, you actually have to visualize how the game plays from text, and and this can be uh, really challenging. And usually, uh, this goes to to people who are more experienced. That's with like the play. click here to move forward, or something like that, right? The interface. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. You you have this uh, these tutorial messages, but you also have all the buttons in in, in the screen and and the and the headings, uh, tab headings, and and, and item names. All this goes uh, in in the buckets of of, of interface. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't have enough context. To, to go around with, so that's uh, they usually assign that to, to translators who are used to uh, to working uh, under these conditions. And and when there when for but for mobile for mobile games that have around I don't know uh, fifteen thousand words, twenty thousand, sometimes they they get assigned to one translator and one reviewer. Uh, if they have some weeks to 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 work mm-hmm. with that, then that's fine the 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 LSP doesn't need to worry about uh finding other translators to work on the project mm-hmm. so you're saying that if it's a mobile game let's let's 
of course, I don't know anything about that, or I know just a little bit about that. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> My experience in video games was way, way, way back then, way before 2014, I can assure you. Uh, but so what's the difference between mobile games and then what I assume to be a game that you play in the computer? So in terms of, is there a structure difference? Is it because you said it's about 15 words if it's a mobile game? So if it's a, is it like a version, a smaller version, or is it the same game adapted in certain respects or what's the, the difference? Well, uh, usually computer games and console games like uh, Xbox, PlayStation, mm -hmm. they are they share a lot of things in common. So mm -hmm. the, the, basically, the game plays the same, but uh, and then the the, the words are uh, in what kind of numbers are we looking at? You said fifteen thousand for the mobile ones, so this more complete, let's call it that version. What kind of what number of words are we looking at? Well, uh, really, uh, it could be any range because even for uh, for computer games, you might have indie games with uh, not, not much text. Some some games they uh, they pride themselves in being very visual and iconographical, so so they they try to reduce the mm -hmm. the, the amount of text in the game. More IKEA they... style, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and they have this uh, this whole thing about uh, okay text can break immersion so let's try to to make the mm -hmm. games as, as interactive mm -hmm. and intuitive as possible so, so these games will have I don't know maybe five hundred words at at oh. most they will, so they write only uh, what's absolutely necessary and 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 of course you can uh, you can find the, these types of game in in mobile games too. But other like the, the the largest productions out there, what we call uh, AAA titles, they are they can reach easily reach one million words throughout the entire project. Yeah, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It can okay. it can reach that for even even. I was long. just not <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. And, and when you are working with with a master file in in MemoQ of a game like that, your computer just. The, the computer can handle that. <laughs> it crashes, and we have to break down in smaller files so that you can actually uh, op operate uh, things there. So yeah, so uh, computer games and console games that that are the so-called AAA titles, they are not uh, they are not, not available to mobile. Maybe they will have uh, some some kind of, of spin-off or something that is designed for mobile, and, and that game will exist in the same universe. Mm -hmm. But we're not play the same. the The game design for mobile games can be very different, especially in terms of monetization, because for for mobile games, they are more interested in 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 providing a a free to play or a freemium, like like they say, a, mm -hmm. a freemium a, a monetization strategy where you can start playing for free, but you eventually have to pay to to progress through the levels or to access to access uh, other parts of content. So mobile games have, have this. Uh, their game design can be very different from other games where where you pay up front and you have access to most of the content except some cosmetics or or some bonus stages or or, or things like that. So the, that's one of the, the the main difference I would I would say about those platforms. Wow, fascinating! <laughs> so I I knew, I knew that you were a real expert. Uh, because I have been, <laughs> I have been thinking about uh, about inviting um, 
well, really an expert <laughs> on, on video <laughs> game uh, localization because it's a thing that interests me. I, I will say from a linguistic point of view, not necessarily because I would be playing the games, but it mm -hmm. just intrigues me a lot because I, I can only imagine the, the, the amount of things that go in and out of those heads of people who, yeah. who have to figure all of this out and developers. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough to have access, it's like having an access to an author that you are translating, I suppose, right? I guess it's the same philosophy, right? That, that yes. must be amazing for, for someone like you. So where is your writer right now in terms of a possibility of going back to your original dream and uh, do that kind of uh, work that you were interested in when you first went to university? Well, I think this that writer is more alive than ever. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because you're actually writing. Might not be your content, but you're writing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm actually writing some original content, for example, uh, for, for the course that I presented on Transistor. I, I had to do a lot of writing um, in, in preparation to do and preparing the material and actually understanding uh, the knowledge I, I had, right? Because we we spend years working in, in a certain field and the knowledge is there. You can apply it in your day to day. But you you don't usually stop to think what you actually know and, and try to systemize that in, in a way. So that was uh, a very uh, a surprising and welcome challenge for for me when I, when I when I accepted uh, to to present that, that course. So that's when I I uh, I went back to writing <laughs> basically, and, and this has been a great experience because I, I I'm now more. Um, motivator to keep myself writing and producing other other kinds of, of content and even writing on LinkedIn which has been a game changer for me has has brought a lot of it has brought a lot of opportunities for me including the course at Transistor, at Transistors and this podcast I, I also wrote an editorial for uh, for digital magazine the, the last month so this is uh, th this is something that has uh, that has going on uh, for me and, and I'm really excited about uh, having the chance to to start writing again and and uh, let's see where, where where that goes where what it brings but so far it has been so fun to to uh, to change gears a bit from from translating into Brazilian Portuguese and to actually writing content and, and publishing content. So, so yeah, the, the, the writer is... Uh, oh, is, is... I'm happy to know because I'm sure that you deserve it because from what I can see, you really deserve it. <laughs> but let's <laughs> let's you. just be a little bit more clear <laughs> about this Translate Stars. So I don't know if... Uh, I'm sure everybody's familiar with this, but Translate Stars is some sort of a Netflix of uh, content for translators, for people interested in, in all things transla translation. I've done a bootcamp for SEO myself with Alfonso, mm -hmm. the owner. So let's talk a little bit about this specific uh, course that you were teaching just recently, right? I guess this was very recent and I saw the post and I saw a lot of people interacting, a lot of people um, showing showing their, their admiration and uh, sending you positive feedback. So obviously I saw that. There was a lot of Portuguese people doing that. So I, I bet there was a lot of Portuguese people attending the course. So let's talk a little bit about it because I'm sure that anyone who's interested in this kind of content and even people who want to know more about it for other reasons, uh, like myself, um, mm -hmm. then let's let's talk about it and see what it is. And, and then we'll actually also put the link down, down there <laughs> on YouTube uh, so that uh, anyone can access uh, your course. 
Perfect. So you were well, invited uh, because? Well, uh, I, I was uh, active at, at LinkedIn at the time. I had been uh, putting out some content, uh, uh, but but not in a not in a consistent way as much as I wanted. But uh, still, I was always there putting up some some things and and help trying to help other translators, trying to contribute with with my own insights into into game localization. And and I had uh, a successful post at the time uh, for for my for my standards. <laughs> mm -hmm. So and and, the, and then that that's when uh, Alfonso reached out to me uh, and 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 presented the. I I was already familiar with Translastars. I had already mm -hmm. taken some courses there. Um, I, I had told other 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 translators about the about the the learning platform. So Alfonso. Uh, talk talk to me about this uh, about presenting a game localization course. There there wasn't any video game localization courses on on Translate Stars yet. Um, you we had a lot of of other courses, but not game localization. And then uh, he invited me to 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 present a course and and, and let me choose uh, the the duration and the scope. And I got really ambitious and and, and I thought, okay, I. I Teach everything I know. Is <laughs> oh. <laughs> it? <laughs> Fortunately, that's not possible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But but I I think I underestimated how how much uh, I knew because like I said, we we have the, the the knowledge, we have the experience, we use it daily, but we don't usually stop to think uh, how much uh, how much time you can spend talking about uh, or, or presenting things. So. So yeah, so I said, okay, well, let, I would like to present a one-week course, and I'll, and they'll provide more like a roadmap that that would take uh, a, a beginner to uh, to finding the, their their first assignments, and also I would like to provide some tips for for translators who already have some experience, but but maybe they they do not have moved around uh, so much in the game localization market because that that's something that happened to me uh, personally I spent uh, about five to six years in the same translation agency so mm -hmm. I gained a lot of linguistic experience uh, about, about uh, a lot of project experience but the, it's completely different once you leave uh, once you leave the the, the the agency and actually start braving the freelance market because it's so different right uh, when you are working closely with with an LSP, even if you're if you're even if you're just a freelancer, you are not in house, but you are always working with them. You don't have much uh, many other clients, and, uh, and 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 you see things differently when you start working with other <laughs> with other partners. And 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 I saw and I realized that was valuable not a lot knowledge that not a lot of, not a lot of people had. So that that's what, what I thought it was a good idea to put. Some kind of content about this mm -hmm. inside the course that was initially aimed at at beginners, aspiring video game localization specialists. So, uh, so yeah, so I I I, I accepted the challenge, and uh, I I had like uh, four to five months to 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 prepare the course. Uh, I was able, fortunately, I was able to take my time with it so that there was not. Um, the, the, there was not any pressure, and and then I started just uh, posting about the course and telling people about it. Uh, I, I that's when I realized people were interested in what I was 
and what the what and what the course could bring bring to them. And then of course I got nervous. So I thought, oh, I hope I can deliver. <laughs> I can live up to the expectation that I'm creating myself. <laughs> but thankfully, yeah. But thankfully, once I started presenting the course and, and actually uh, listening to to feedback and, and and hearing what people were saying about the course, it, it got me really uh, excited about. All of that, and if if I uh, to sum up what the course is about, well, basically the course is divided in in five sessions, five five lessons, and the first one is just a, a big overview of what uh, about difference between the localization and translation, and how exact what exactly means video game localization mm -hmm. in, in terms of. Of, of localizing the experience of a game to to a target language, and then on the next uh, lessons, I, I actually present a bit of, a, a bit of the day to day and how to work with localization files, what translators can expect, uh, what are the, the 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 main challenges in video game localization as opposed to to a document translation, for example. So that is uh, working with with, with tags with some character limit constraints. So I, I tried to present, uh, to show a bit uh, of what, what, a, what a video game localizer is expected to face in their day-to-day. -day. Um, I also presented, uh, showed how localization testing works. That, that is basically playing the game to find if, uh, if the interface, uh, if the translation in the interface works as expected, mm -hmm. if the user is not misled by, by a translation because of, of, of a context mismatch and things like that. And finally, at the, at the, fi at the, at the last uh, lesson, that's when I actually show a bit of, of the localization market and discuss rates and how uh, one can go about finding clients on ProZ or on LinkedIn. And, and and some uh, some general tips and how to actually market your localization experience to find better clients. So I tried to <laughs> to encompass mm. uh, uh, many things in in one single course. Wow. And, and while I was building the course, I I was constantly asking myself what were my main questions when uh, when I started in video game localization and and things that I would have liked people tell me <laughs> before finding it hard way. So, <laughs> so that's so that's how I built this course. I, I got I was really proud that I could finish it mm -hmm. up to my own, own expectations, and then and I got even more proud when I when I saw that people are um, getting value from from that. So. So yeah, it's crazy because uh, and I started thinking, wow. So uh, at the beginning, I chose translation <laughs> instead of te of teaching because I was not the people's uh -huh. person. <laughs> but now I'm presenting courts and, and participating podcasts. So it's funny how how, <laughs> how things go, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and a lot more to come from what I can see because uh, I mean, <laughs> a lot more people are going to to realize what an expert you are and just invite you to all sorts of things, I'm sure, because you are a real expert. I'm like, oh my God, I even feel like just doing the course and all of that because I'm, I'm just cu curious about it, to be honest, because it's it's such a an, an in thing, you know, it's just so interesting. The other day I went to and talked to high school kids and basically the conversation ended up being about video games. 
<laughs> which is something I don't really know anything about. But the moment that people realize I work in languages, like that crowd, that's one of the first questions that they asked me, believe it or not. So, and I was like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I have done a lot of things, but uh, my relationship with that subject is like from back back in the day and yeah i have a, a few stories about that but it's just that it's obviously not something that i could talk about obviously but fortunately there are people who know exactly what they're saying about all this and this is what i can say i just wish that your future goes and becomes even brighter than than it is at the moment because i mean i, I guess you're living the dream right <laughs> is that how you feel <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so much Rita. yeah this is uh, uh the last couple of years have been actually the, the best ones in, in my career that by really putting myself out there and, and it's hard to overcome that that challenge you uh, you you we are constantly battling imposter syndrome or 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 just general insecurity that oh, am I really an expert <laughs> and then but you just start dipping your your finger in the water and feeling uh, if if it's warm if it's not and and then you start building from there so yeah I'm uh, I'm, I'm feeling great about how things are going about my my about finding my confidence in in writing in in, mm -hmm. in publicly so. So yeah, it's it's been it's been a ride. <laughs> mm -hmm. So congratulations because that's what everybody aspires to, right? Just to to be in that position. So we'll yeah. just leave on this high note. <laughs> <laughs> <Very> Thank <nice. laughs> you so much, Diego. This has been amazing. Muito obrigada. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed talking to you. It's the first time that we're talking, but it won't be the last. I'm sure. And yeah. it would be great to know even more about this. Uh, everybody, if you're interested, Diego's course is out there on Transla Stars, and we'll get the, the links from Diego and all of that. And then we'll be hearing a lot more about you, I'm sure. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Hita. Bye.